<laughs> Baron, you drunk? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm silent. <laughs> Brother on, is wasted. Carry on. Welcome to another episode of Sports Side. This week we are talking about boxing and a couple of topics of football. To start us off with this week, we put out a poll for our Twitter. Who would dethrone Joshua and Fury in the heavyweight division? Poll has come back. Got 36% votes going to Dubois, 57 to Usyk, and only 7 to Dillian White. 7% for Dillian White is a little low. You were probably the biggest share of that 7% there. Well, f- funny, I actually didn't even vote. Um, if I could, I would have voted 7 times for White, and he would have been right at the top if I could. What do you think about that, Tank? White may be a bit undervalued there. I think he definitely has a shot. I don't think anybody would say that he's better than Fury or Joshua but it's heavyweight division all the greats have been knocked out white is a good hitter he knows how to throw a punch the body snatcher right they call him he knows what he's doing in a ring gave aj a lot of troubles he already beat aj in the amateurs of course first professional fight that they had was a tightly contested affair he ended up on his backside but uh he gave a good account of himself Usyk, proper really really classy fighter the only problem he seems to have is he seems to get injured all the time training with heavyweights so i think he's having a bit of struggle there he's got a fight coming up with Derek Chisora, who's kind of like the good kind of opponent to prove that you can compete at the top level you know he can give anyone a hard time but anyone who's really got aspirations of being a top fighter in the division should be beating Derek Chisora. so we're going to find out a little bit there about him and then Daniel Dubois coming up it's obviously an unknown quantity at the moment looks really good uh, I know Mike Tyson is a bit of a fan he's kind of got a little bit of that old swagger that Tyson used to have so it's going to be interesting to watch his development but he's only for people there just to be knocked out basically to build up that 20-0 and record standard promoting there from Mr. Frank Warren what do you think Baron? Ushek is the, the best fighter out of the three at the moment but Daniel Dubois I think he's got a, a massive future ahead of him this might be a bit controversial but I think he looks way more talented than Anthony Joshua was at that age definitely a future heavyweight champion it is too early for him I think at the moment maybe in a couple of years time but in terms of the quality Ushek has had over 330 amateur fights he's got some pedigree yep and also a former Olympic heavyweight champion yeah it's not to be messed around with and I think that once he puts Chisora to sleep I think <laughs> yeah I think he's going to disrupt the top three but definitely the only thing I would say against him like because I think obviously skill wise technically his movement everything is going to cause the guys some real problems but these guys are they're not even really heavyweights like Tyson Fury is like eight foot tall almost you know he's a huge heavyweight he's a super heavyweight almost how does he expect to beat a proper heavyweight champion of the world Joshua is almost a similar size so the reach and the height advantage that those guys have and the power advantage is going to be definitely tricky. but I think can evade them with his movement yeah in and, um, and yeah definitely okay so what do you think Domi do you think Dillian really has a chance well, first of all, I just want to point out Dillian White and Baron both share the same nickname as the Body Snatchers. Um, uh, Baron is Weight Watchers, not Body Snatchers. <laughs> the poll, I don't think. I mean, I don't think the poll is a true reflection of who will dethrone them. Obviously, we've excluded Wilder out of that conversation. Dubois, for me, is someone that has got potential, like Baron said. However, still need to fight two or three top ten heavyweights before he's even put in the conversation. You know, I thought um, we put his name out there for banter. (laughs) He's fighting Joe Joyce next, right? Yeah, Joe uh, Pillow Fist Joyce is his nickname. (laughs) He's got about a 
percent knockout record. You know, I think even Baron punches harder than them. <laughs> Dubois will definitely beat him. But as you said earlier, you know, uh, Derek Chisora is the gatekeeper. If you're anyone of note, you'd have to beat Chisora convincingly. Fury's beaten him twice. Vladimir Vitali's beaten him. I know Dylan White obviously beat him twice. Usyk, I feel, still needs to beat Chisora convincingly and then have one more fight before he has the opportunity. But White has been in waiting in the wings for a long time and deserves his opportunity. You know, he doesn't duck out of anyone, doesn't have high demands of where he has to fight or what he wants to fight. Put out a, uh, a recent five million package for Fernandi Ruiz to fight and he bottled it. But um, on other news, White's actually split from his long-term trainer Mark Tibbs as you know Dillian fights out of America and he's gonna find a new trainer worked for Tyson Fury right he signed up with the Kronk gym obviously in his last fight got mm-hmm. a lot of kind of backlash people saying you know what's he doing he's doing another crazy Fury moment clearly a masterstroke and maybe it will be for White as well yeah hopefully hope I'd like to see Dillian White become a little bit more of an evasive fighter he's very much in your face higher risk sort of trading sort of boxer I like him to be a little bit more cuter and I think he'll need to learn that a little bit when he fights the the, the Wilders the Joshua's again or, or the Furies of the world he's definitely got the size he's got the height I think he's got the tools he just needs to just be a little bit more smarter when he trades talking about being smart and obviously he said he left his trainer do you think it would be smart for him to leave his promoter right now obviously Eddie Hearn has kind of got all the heavyweights in his pocket and you know we got Dillian White who's supposed to be the number one contender the mandatory for Deontay Wilder for a long long time and that got postponed because of the false drug accusations and instead of making fixing a fight with Fury for Dillian White Eddie Hearn's gone and fixed a two-fight deal for Anthony Joshua yeah he has done that but they've also appealed to WBC's delayed mandatory fight which is I think in February 2021 so he's sort of obviously playing both sides of the coin Eddie's good but Eddie also holds all the cards he has Shizuri, Yusuke and White yes yeah, it seems like he's just used these guys like Usyk who's also a mandatory for Joshua and he's been palmed off with Chisora it looks like he's just kind of using these people to get you know the money for Joshua the big money he knows where that's at and that's where he's yeah. focusing all his efforts rather than giving people their earned number one contender status and their title shots yeah I think that's a WBC thing though for White Eddie's clever right he can make two more fights before the big fight he'll make it between yeah. two or three people he makes a lot more money they make a lot more money and, and therefore builds it up builds it up but yeah he's got he's got four top heavyweights you know Anthony Joshua yeah. ass liquor well <laughs> it does seem I think, like I he's think, protecting him a little bit yeah that's Eddie's favorite son Dillian White is more the redheaded stepchild in that <laughs> family which I feel for him and he's a little bit more rough and ready he talks his mind a little bit more and he's less political and less of a good boy than than sort of Joshua <laughs> what, what do you feel about how Joshua sort of is personality wise grew up in the hood I like the press conference that Joshua and Dillian White had before the like Dillian White was like why don't you be yourself I think he's got a point there um, actually Joshua I mean he seems like a nice guy but there's a lot more to him and a lot more um, rough a lot more hood personality basically ask me that question again if you think I'm too nice and I think that he kind of shies away from that and I want to see someone bring out that kind of personality that he yeah, has yeah I don't know I think he's kind of one of us boys isn't he he's a bit of a dog we all got professional lives that we go and live that professional life we keep a bit of our street histories away from the limelight we don't go showing 
that to our boss. And I don't think you can call him out like in terms of saying that, oh, he's not being his true self or something like that. He tried to be an example to the community, right? Into his people and his country, right? You know, there's times where he probably is a bit too nice and he needs to be a little bit more honest as opposed to being the generic robotic answer. And but I'm know. with Dillian White. I think it's just all for the cameras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you ever yeah. watch that mouth? The body the bo- snatcher gonna body come. snatcher. Body <laughs> snatcher gonna come for the Weight Watcher boy. Um, okay, well, obviously there's there's a lot of contenders. There's some fights to look forward to in the future. There's Fury versus Wilder touted as the trilogy, maybe coming before those two fights. Joshua's got to get through Pulev. Povetkin is fighting Dillian White uh, in Eddie's back garden. Another masterstroke of a marketing business strategy from him fights in his backyard. But yeah, you got to take your hat off to Eddie. You know, he's he's made his mark. He's grown the business. He's taken on what daddy's built and, and, and built it bigger. What do you think? He's done all right for himself, hasn't he? Hardworking guy. Okay, he came into a bit of money, started from a nice place, but you can definitely see he's one of the, the hard workers in the industry. You can see he went from having no one on his list to having everyone who's anybody pretty much on his on his list now you know he's the only one who's putting on back garden boxing fight old school sort of bust ups in the backyard mm-hmm. so he is definitely very innovative leading the way bringing back the heavyweights he definitely played his part in that I agree with that yeah definitely yeah, he does a hell of a, an impression on, on Eubank and a few of the other uh, boxers have you heard any of them yeah yeah, no. yeah I've had a few <laughs> Bar- Baron you got any good Eubank impression or uh, no I, I can't <laughs> I thought you liked your impressions. <laughs> Junior, I will knock him out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on to football-related topic. A lot of talk, COVID going on right now in a pandemic. Obviously, this will strain a lot of owners, investors in the Premier League before sort of the pandemic. Newcastle were about to get taken over finally for uh, for some of these Newcastle fans who are a little bit sick of Mike Ashley. We're looking for a, a rebirth, so to speak. That's gone a little bit in standstill right now, along with, with some Russian investors, American, Saudis, you know, and obviously with the transfer market coming up in the summer, that's gonna that's gonna bite people in the uh, in in the transfer market and restrict them. So, what do we feel of sort of the foreign investment in general in the Premier League? And then maybe talk a little bit about maybe Newcastle and their woes. Let's go with uh, Baron first. It's been amazing. Uh, my club Chelsea was taken over by Abramovich, and I think he kind of started the trend in England. Basically, uh, when Chelsea's <laughs> history started, right? <laughs> yeah, but also having all these. Obviously, these foreign players and these amazing players improved the league a lot more. And also, I think it improved the style of the play from the grassroots as well through the development of the English players as well, because they're pumping in the money into the grassroots and improving the training facilities and the academy as a whole. So I think it's been fantastic for the game. But I don't like some of the corruption behind some of these owners, so to speak. Yeah, Uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting point you make, because, I mean, a lot of these owners are coming from, you know, nations such as, for example, Russia or uh, China, which yeah. are autocratic states, you know, where they have sort of a different way of life, a different culture. And and you look at China, for example, especially like they often have uh, government employees working within companies. And, and there's a lot that's being done, especially like on the, the Saudi Arabia sort of style, exactly. where it's a very kind of PR for their 
country as well, right? So there, exactly. there, there seems like there are some alternative yeah. agendas in some of these cases. With yeah. the Newcastle case, that's what the Premier League is looking into right now. They're reviewing the case. The money is definitely there. <laughs> if, if this deal goes through, which it looks set to do so, then they're going to be definitely in a very strong position. they got some great supporters. You know, you got, what is it, like 50,000 fans turning up in the championship when they were down there week in, week out. They're obviously doing all right in the Premier League this season. They're only going to go from strength to strength. Maybe we'll see them back in the Champions League again at some point. The old uh, Craig Bellamy team, Jermaine Genus, these guys, maybe we'll start to see some recognisable names because I don't think, you know, these players are not household names, are they? These Newcastle players at the moment. No, I think they're just surviving right in the Premier League. They've got some really good results. They've got, you know, they've got a couple of decent players who would say they're top, 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 top players. But with the hopefully takeover and ownership, I think there's talks of them, Saudi Arabians, looking to secure like tennis and, and other sports to get direct sort of Premier League sort of rights that their way and increase that. There was also like sort of UFC in Saudi Arabia this weekend and in Fight Island. So, yeah, I think the Formula One as well, right, is going on over there. So there's big projects. <laughs> yeah, they obviously have oh, yeah. the Anthony Joshua fight as well recently right. right there's definitely a lot going on in that part of the world yeah. and they're looking to obviously spread a lot of limelight on their stuff um, yeah. so what about uh, Steve Bruce do you see him keeping his job after the takeover no chance, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know where that come from Steve Bruce it will be oosted out similarly to when Claudia Ranieri was there and Roman Bramwich took over I mean you'd get rid of these coaches and managers and go for the best ones that you can go for possibly and I think that Steve Bruce has done a great job but let's be honest Newcastle are known for being very defensive orientated team that play on the counter with money it's about bringing talent in and an identity of football bring back the beautiful game and you've got to have the right coach yeah I mean like obviously Steve Bruce played in a great attacking Manchester United team right exactly so, yeah. he was a great player Yeah. so he does have history in playing yeah. good football and obviously Claudio Ranieri also went on to troll Chelsea by winning the Premier League with Leicester as well later when actually given the chance yeah no, no, but once you have a rich foreign owner I think they spend money on these attacking footballers and who knows we might see Lionel Messi in Newcastle shirts yeah it's typical Chelsea fan response you get rid of the manager I think they've had about 25 managers in about <laughs> 25 seasons and uh, get rid of them rehire them I don't think he should lose his job I think he should at least be given a year to see you know how he does with investment Steve Bruce obviously he's got a, a playing pedigree a coaching pedigree but I mean has he ever really had a, a top team with top players to, to work with and maybe I was going to say the same thing happened to Man City right with was it Mark Hughes yeah I think they did give him a year though right I think Mark Hughes did have some money I remember yes he did doesn't always work out like this for all teams you look at for example Arsenal they have one of the richest owners in the league with Stan Kroenke and not exactly the same story he hasn't thrown in the money that Roman Abramovich has thrown in uh, you look at Wolves for example who are owned by Fosun International Chinese one they're actually the richest owners in the whole of the Premier League I think their net worth is like 103 billion but they don't throw in that kind of money they obviously strengthen Wolves with some very good players but it's not the kind of money that transformed a Manchester City or a Chelsea maybe it's not to come exactly what Newcastle fans are thinking wasn't it Leicester as well I think, yeah. I think most clubs have billionaire owners nowadays right? no, but I think Leicester when they were in the championship they had a project where they wanted to be in the Champions League obviously that happened they obviously did pump in the money but you look after they won the league mm. they also sold off the majority of their talent right they obviously yeah, yeah. bought well afterwards you know they got some I mean, they great talents 
<laughs> what was it? 30, 30 million for drink water, which I mean, uh, people yeah. laugh about 30 million nowadays. That's pocket change, but it, at that time, it wasn't exactly pocket change. You know, I'm I'm coming here to to play a part in in winning trophies, which is exactly what I want to do. Was it 30 million or was it 40? Yeah, something like that, right? I think. Just, yeah. But to be honest, the guy had some decent talent, and Chelsea obviously just didn't use him. Like we always do, we ruined some of the careers. Yeah, I think Chelsea definitely benefited from having this transfer ban, right? And having to give these guys a chance for a change 100% and I think Roman Abramovich you know just took a step back and and we sold players and used the money like Eden Hazard we used his money for Kovacic I definitely think he's been the smartest owner right now I know it's hard times to be spending money but I feel like every penny you spend nowadays it makes such a big difference you know the, the kind of talent that you can get for probably half the price of the transfer values that were being touted last summer 100% 100% yeah Baron's worth 2,000 in this market <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry mate uh, inflation sorry 1,000 <laughs> next topic we're going to talk about the greatest ever Premier League team four teams up for debate we've got Manchester United's treble winning team in 98-99 we've got Arsenal's Invincibles we've mm. got Manchester City's record breaking 100 point season league win in 2017 2018 I believe and then finally Liverpool's current squad current champions who do you think is uh, top of the tree there Tank? What a great debate Um, they're obviously four very different teams and different times as well you think about when Manchester United had their treble team the focus seemed to be on entertainment right as much as getting the points so when we talk about the current Man City and Liverpool teams or the Man City team of the 2017-18 season those record points it was more professional style of play I remember some of the goals that used to be scored would never seem to be scored nowadays you know these free kicks where people chip it up for other people to volley over the wall (laughs) there doesn't seem to be the same freedom around those times you had the Brazilian teams where the left back would try and dribble past the whole team coming back to the main point I think Arsenal's unbeatables the invincible team I think it had the most perfect balance probably I've ever seen in a football team you had the, the athleticism players like Vieira obviously Thierry Henry but they also had talent and guile you know and Perez great defenders like Sol Campbell as well Tocolo Torre the only uh, guy I think in British history to go unbeaten with more than one team obviously did it with Celtic as well definitely had a great team then Uh, but I definitely think this Liverpool team deserves a mention you know you talk about Man City broke that total 100 points in 2017-18 but last season it was only one point less that Liverpool had below Man City's record I think that's the third point highest total in history even though they didn't even win the league then they went on to win the Champions League and the World Club Tournament and now the Premier League so I think they definitely deserve a mention what do you think Baron? I was going to say I think the Chelsea team should be mentioned here (laughs) (laughs) I think the the best Chelsea team was Gianfranco Zola Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank days (laughs) Yes, but no, Gronk no, no, here no, down no. the right way. <laughs> Talking about the uh, 2004 team that won uh, two years Premier League champions in two two years in a row with Jose Mourinho in charge. And we won the Champions League in 2012. Definitely one of the best teams ever to play in the Premier League. Yeah, we'll um, disagree there. But, uh... they, they, lost, uh, they lost one game, one game in the 2005 so that season. That was one more than the Invincibles then. <laughs> uh, there was uh, strength in defence and attack. There was Lampard, Drogba and... 
and uh, Terry. I think there's a great team. The yeah. Invincible team was amazing. It was like, agree with what Tank said there. The balance was amazing. The style of football was beautiful to watch. And I think that um, this might be controversial, but I think that team would beat the Liverpool team. Boom. It's a very erotic voice, by the way. Wow. Again, like please. But yeah, I, I don't know about uh, Liverpool be mentioned amongst the greatest teams ever. Obviously, they need to prove themselves in the years coming up. Well, that's the thing as well, right? Like their team is basically at its peak. Yeah. It's like they're all their players are like 27 or younger. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually, because they've got plenty of years to come out if, if they can keep these players. And some of the youth talent is they're decent. Who knows? Like, look at Trent Alexander and he's only 20, 21, right? So in a little tournament from the four teams that were mentioned, excluding the Chelsea late throw in into the into the debate. Um, <laughs> I, I stopped listening after these minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think would come out on top in a little little tournament there? I think Liverpool will. I feel like they'll be the most balanced in a sense of they'll be able to win games in different ways. They can win a game through a set piece. They can win a game through counter-attacking. They could win a game through being a possession base. I think they're the most adaptable, I think, from an attacking standpoint. You've got the Manchester Cities, Man United and Arsenal. I just think that they're probably the most well-balanced and, and they'll be able to be set up to for different variables. So I would say Liverpool controversially is an Arsenal Okay. Fan. What about that Man United trouble-winning team? The likes of Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Dwight York, Andy Cole, Teddy Sheringham, yeah. David Beckham on the right. <laughs> I, think, I think the margins are, margins, are, margins are very, very small. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel teams are... I don't know. I don't probably... I would say they're probably a little bit more set up tactically now more than, than they were back, what, 12 years ago? I think the team is... <laughs> I, I agree definitely with definitely a fierce debate. I agree with that because I, the, the Man United team was more of a, like a, a traditional 4-4-2 with Andy Cole and, and Dwight York up front. Yeah, like, but I, when did Leicester win the league? They were also 4-4-2, so it's not like that's redundant or that system's right. completely in the bin. I totally agree, but I just think that I agree with what Dogmeat said, the adaptability of yeah. some of these teams. I think there's just they find different ways to win it but the Arsenal team was unique in my eyes I think I would go for them to, to win sorry sorry, you cut out there what did you say again? <laughs> I, I said uh, if these teams were playing a one-off one-off game I think the Arsenal invincible team uh, would probably take it even that uh, Chelsea team with Jesper Gronk yeah? what were you tweeting? Yes. <laughs> Solomon Kalou. No, no, no. Alright, alright. All right. Right. That's enough from the back. Drogba, Lampard, Terry. Alright. I mention them. I'd bet check. Let's throw it out to our fans. You can have your say on Twitter at TDS underscore the dog show. So, who do you think is the greatest Premier League team from the Premier League era? Is it the current Liverpool side? Is it the Arsenal's invincible team from 03 and 04? The Man United treble team from 98 99? Or is it like the Baron? You think it's some um, Chelsea team from 2005 that lost? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you think the Man City team should also be. You can leave your comment on the Twitter poll. Okay, well, that concludes Sportside this week. Thank you for your time. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week. Sweet.